What's up and welcome into the lead block. Happy Friday. My name is Tyler Walters. That's at Tyler Walters CNR on Twitter. I'm here with my co-host Matthew Anderson. What you got, Matthew? Yeah, you Matthew Anderson at Matt the Chosen on the number one. Make sure to follow me. Make sure to follow Matthew and I on Twitter. And go follow the show at the lead underscore block on Twitter. And Matthew just set us up with an Instagram today. So make sure you go follow that. We are on all platforms. If we're not there, we're going there. That's right. So we also, big news, started a little show news. Uh, we are now finally on Apple Podcasts. So if you're listening on an iPhone, not on Apple, and you want to listen on Apple, we're there now. So that's nice. And make sure you go ahead and subscribe so that, therefore, whenever we post a new one, you'll get the little notification. Subscribe, rate five stars, review, leave a shining review for me and Matthew and the show. And that'll help us out so we can help you guys out. And also, something I failed to mention last week, if you ever have any questions or anything you want to talk about on the show, hit us in the DMs, comment uh, on something we post, on whether that be on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, just reach out to us, and we will try to fit it in the show. So, starting from the top, here we go, Matthew. Big Another stressful week in <laughs> Columbia. <laughs> Uh, Gamecocks have the Kentucky Wildcats rolling into town on Saturday for 7.30 showdown on, what are we on, the SEC Network this week? SEC yep. Network, 7.30 kickoff? Well, probably 7.30. I think it's 7.39 is what yeah. Steve Fink tweeted the other the other day. Um, yeah, so we'll have that coming up. And it's looking very interesting this week. It's another interesting week, like you said, in Columbia, South Carolina. It's going look. Will Muschamp, the back is against the wall here. A lot star player transfers about to transfer out the program right before a big game. Obviously, he had been playing very well anyway. And did you also see that um, Shiloh was that Shiloh Sanders has already jumped to the number twenty one, so that number was not vacant. But not to say that's going to be the big thing of the uh, week, but that is something to definitely take note of. Yeah. So talking about Jamias Williams, uh, safety yeah. who. Decided to who announced on Twitter earlier in this week, and we mentioned on the show the other day um, that he is going to redshirt, and he only played four games, um, so he's going to redshirt this year, and he's put his name in the transfer portal. At the time we were talking, what was that Sunday night for Monday's show? Uh, he had not officially put his name in the transfer portal, but now that became official as a Monday at like noon or something. Yeah, um, it was official by Muschamp's presser. Tuesday and how did you think he felt about that I he was short with a lot of reporters um his his big comment was yeah we support jam love coaching jam um we wish him success whatever he does and that was pretty much it and that was kind of what I expected from him I didn't expect much of a comment and a couple reporters asked him you could tell they tried to get get the ball rolling on it but he didn't offer many thoughts, and which is what I expected of him. Um, and it was just back to we, you know, back to this week, back which is 
kind of like I said what what I was expecting of him. Focus on Kentucky. I've heard him say previously. Either he told. I'm pretty sure he said this. I know he told the players. He said, "If you want to be at South Carolina, we have a spot for you. Obviously, you're already in the building. But if you don't want to be here, go ahead and get gone." I guess that's kind of how you keep po- like a poison. I guess to get in your program because what you don't want to have is a guy that doesn't want to be there trying to get other people to be like, "Yo, y'all don't want to be here either." Now you got a whole entire toxic uh, environment. So you kind of go ahead and get rid of one person right off the bat and let them get into the. Because I think as far as last spring. University of South Carolina's had like nine players into the transfer portal. So after he gives that speech, it's like, all right, get on board or get off board. But we're going to move forward regardless. Yeah, I got to agree with that as a, as a coach. Um, you want Obviously, you want the guys who recruited and the guys who signed at your program, you want them to play all four you know, and three in a lot of cases uh, years at your program. You don't want them transferring and going somewhere else. So Jemias is leaving – uh, it'll be interesting to find out where he goes. But like Muschamp, let's get back to Kentucky this week. So South Carolina is a three-point favorite, which kind of shocked me a little when yeah. I read the lines earlier this week. Um, I I don't know what I expected, but I expected it to be maybe Kentucky favored by like a point and a half, two points. Especially with the history of them have beaten, what, the last four or five good times that the teams have matched up? Yeah, so Kentucky's won five straight here yeah. uh, with South Carolina – and, I mean, South Carolina has just kind of given this game away a few times in that streak, and it hasn't looked good. It hasn't been pretty for them, and fans are tired of losing to Kentucky. Um, I think last year was a bit of a different story because Kentucky had such a good team. They finished in the top ten in the nation. I mean, they beat Penn State at the end of the year. So well, that's they finished like in the a, top ten? Yes, they did. I think they finished number nine. I'm not quite, I'm not quite sure the, the actual – uh, number they finished at, but they did finish inside the top 10, and they played a big New Year's Day bowl game. They were a re- really good football team. They lost a lot of guys, and uh, they lost their their quarterback at the start of this year. And they also lost uh, Benny Snell Jr. Benny Snell. They lost Benny Snell. He he left. Um, he he's with graduated. the Steelers. Yeah, I think he's with the Steelers. Yes. Now. Yeah, and um, Josh Allen got drafted. Their linebacker. Uh, from last year, who was their big standout guy, got drafted in the top 10, 12 picks. I think he was a top 10 pick, if not just just right outside of it. Um, and then they had their quarterback, Terry Wilson, go down in week one, out for the season. Uh, we mentioned that last week. or That might have been week two. Yeah. We mentioned that last week when we were talking about all the SEC quarterbacks who were out already for the season. Um, and they've had uh, – Oh, let me see. No, Sawyer Smith. Sawyer Smith has been their their QB too. He's he's jumped up, but he had a bit of an injury last week. Um, and Mark Stoops addressed it earlier this week in his press conference on Monday that they're planning on Smith playing, but it's day to day. They have a few other guys who can step into that role. Uh, one of them um, from from stuff that I've been reading and out of Lexington and their news cycle is uh, Lynn Bowden. They're star receiver yeah they have them even i'm i got this i got kentucky's press docket in front of me and even in this press docket they have they have them like written about as junior athlete lynn bowden jr which i thought was pretty interesting that even in their something that came from the university of kentucky you know how schools like to kind of avoid the term athlete as far as labeling their players for their position yeah that they label him as athlete 
So now they lend themselves open to questions about what he's going to be playing. Uh, but, yeah, he's he had his first 100-yard uh, game of the season last week at Mississippi State, and Kentucky did end up losing that game. Uh, but he's going to be a major factor. Muschamp talked about his athleticism this week earlier in his press conference, and that he's going to be a hard guy to stop. Um, one guy he didn't mention, which I was kind of surprised, was Cash Daniel, yeah, Kentucky linebacker. Um, I think he he's second in tackles on the team right now, and he missed a little bit of last week's game because he had the whole controversy with twisting a guy's ankle under the oh, middle under the yeah. huddle at, at Florida. So if you haven't seen that, a uh, Florida player I guess came out and said the quarterback, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he got his ankle twisted by Cash Daniels, a little dirty play. How did and you feel about that? The first angle didn't look dirty, but watching the second angle that I've seen, which is the one I've seen the most now, on Twitter this past week or so, two weeks since they played Florida, it's it doesn't look good for Daniel. Um, and he gave a an interview to reporters or a statement to reporters and said, I'm not trying to hurt anybody. Like I'm a victim of a dirty play myself. Um, so it's kind of hard to read. And then there were also, I happened to see this week on Twitter, a lot of people at the University of Kentucky who knew them, knew him, who came out and kind of said some things questionable about his character. Um, so that's, I don't know, that's kind of weird. That's a little like more of an NFL type thing where people kind of go after you. Usually college athletes get kind of hidden from that stuff with the, general public going right. after them like that uh people don't tend to go after their character as much i yeah. guess that's probably because there's not as much able to that they're able to read about college athletes but uh yeah i thought that was pretty interesting but from the football standpoint like he's a pretty good linebacker he's kind of i don't want to say underperformed but he's he talks a lot which is you love to see from a linebacker. Yeah, yeah. You want your linebacker to be the aggressive guy, the guy calling out the other opposing teams. Uh, what is it? Uh, running backs, offensive line, telling them where you're going and still getting there. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he's kind of been that guy, that vocal leader. But on the field, he's been that average uh-huh, so, so far. He hasn't been. I mean, he had big shoes to fill. He was good last year, uh, but he had Josh Allen with him in that linebacking core. So now he's taking more of that pressure. Um, that could be a good bit to do with it. We're seeing the same thing at South Carolina with T.J. Brunson and Ernest Jones. Ernest Jones is, seems to be getting more tackles because Brunson's demanding double teams. Right. And last year, you know, the last couple of years, if you're sitting in the stadium for a game and the PA announcer who uh, at williams Bryce says, uh, talking about the tackle and list who made the tackle, T.J. Brunson's name was in there like, what felt like every play he was somehow involved in every tackle and this year that's kind of limited because he's calling a lot of those double teams and they're trying to push him out of the play or keep it away from him and I think similar things are happening with Cash Daniel now that he's more of the guy um and also you hear Muschamp say uh I think I heard him say either if it wasn't the last one or before they had to make sure the defensive line is make sure they're holding up the offense line so therefore the offense line is not getting hands on linebackers because with TJ being a little bit smaller I think he's like 5'11 Five ten. Sometimes it could be harder because his arms aren't quite as long. Yeah. Uh, so let's move back to South Carolina a little bit. Um, news came out today, Thursday, that on Joyner will not play Saturday. He has a tweaked hamstring, from what I saw. Yeah, that that is big news right there because 
I okay. I have a whole thing about this. So correct me if I'm wrong. So Helensky's elbow was kind of messed up. Little. It was dinged up. Yep. And then so this past week, and so he almost didn't play. So then he got sacked a lot in the game, and now he's completely healed. I'm trying to figure out at what point did this like elbow have time to recover. And with that being said, this is a really big time. Think about the quarterback room for South Carolina. Obviously, Bentley's out. Now you have uh, DeCarion, who is the sec- who was really start season's third string or athlete. He's now the second string. He's out. Helensky was just hurt last week. And it's like, so that room is getting a little bit thin. So now, uh, what is it, Urich? Jay, Jay Urich is now who had moved to wide receiver, who actually performed very well in the spring game. He's now back to being the second-string quarterback. And the quarterback. And then you have Bailey Hart. I'm not 100% sure on this, but I know Bailey Hart played quarterback in high school, so I'm pretty sure they got him getting back snapped because he had also made the transition to receiver. Yeah, uh, and South Carolina has a lot of of people with quarterback tag. Yeah, definitely. uh, Right now, so I I think the guy that they have starting is when everyone's healthy, I think as a 1-3 team, you should be going with Helensky. Yeah. It, no matter what, I think he gives you the best opportunity to win. Um, so from from what I've seen him do in la- last week at Missouri, he did not look good at all. So it'll be interesting to see how he bounced back. And like you were saying with the injury, I believe he just had a little tendonitis. Okay. Uh, he had an MRI done last week before the game, uh, and there were no there were no findings. So I think it was just a little sore, and it felt a little funny. I don't know if you've ever had tendonitis, but yeah, it's it's not comfortable. It, it's very uncomfortable. So throwing a football and having a little tendonitis in your in your elbow, it, it doesn't feel good. But that does heal up quick. So if that's what it was, I haven't heard any official word from the program or from the university about uh, what exactly it was. But they they never really said anything. Uh, so now you have Alinsky, and you need him to play good, and you need him to not get hurt. So somebody better be talking to the offensive line. Oh yeah, this is this week. I'm pretty sure Muschamp probably said in the offensive line meetings at times this week, making sure like y'all have this thing together because like while obviously every game is a big game for the team, it's a really big game for Muschamp's coaching tenure. You know, uh, with the fact of how obviously how the season's been going and how things have been going all together. So he really needs the offensive line to pull. And then also when the offensive line plays well, Helensky has a lot of time and the running backs get through holes and that's what you want, especially in a night game because the fans will for sure be energized. Yeah, I mean I think some things in this game Helensky gets the ball out quick um he gets the ball out the quickest in the SEC uh if you're not following SEC stat cat on Twitter go follow that guy he's posting all kinds of metrics about the uh from around the SEC very useful information uh for me but very interesting information just period it's very he's taking baseball stats and put them in, in football and oh. I'm a huge baseball guy so it's like that's like you know how baseball is very specific with stats. It's kind of that sort of thing with with football, uh, more of the metrics and stuff. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, so shout out to the SEC Statcat. But Helensky gets the ball, get, gets rid of the ball the quickest in the SEC. But they've got to run the ball. South Carolina's got to run the ball to give them some balance because the way it's been going the last two weeks, it's like all right, well. They're going to throw the ball 50 times a game, so we might as well just eat it on the run every five or six plays they run and just make sure we stop the pass because it hasn't looked, hasn't been like a difficult game plan to figure out. And uh, another thing I wanted to say on that is Muschamp was 
asked if he would consider changing play callers in the middle of the season at his press conference the other day, which, very adventurous question. Uh, Bold. Yeah, <laughs> to say the least. And he was very against the idea. He just, no, we're not going to do that. I have no interest in that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, we're South Carolina fans. You got Brian McClendon calling plays, and that's just how it's going to be. And I don't really know who they would give those duties to. I I don't think you want Will Muschamp, uh, no offense to him, I don't think you want him calling your offensive plays from the head coach position um, because he is a defensive guy. He is a defensive specialist, and I just think that where McClendon has failed this year, I still think his play-calling ability ceiling is higher than Muschamp's ceiling. Yeah. So – We'll see how it goes. And, and I think there's – it looks like a lot of miscommunication to me because you got the first game and they're very conservative. And then Will Muschamp says after, you know, we I thought we were going to be more uh, risk-takers in that game and we needed to throw the ball more and, and that was the game plan. Well, there's some missing link there. So somebody's got to talk to somebody. And then you go out the next couple of weeks, Charleston Southern, I just keep saying this, but it, that game just doesn't even count. I don't even look at that anymore. <laughs> that was like watching a second spring game. No offense to Charleston Southern. Move on to Alabama. Uh, the play calling is a bit more aggressive because they're throwing the ball so much. Look at last week, their play calling is almost no runs. So you, you've got to get the ball to, if you're South Carolina, you've got to get the ball to Rico Dowdle and you've got to get it to Tavian Feaster. You have two veteran running backs who are very good. Rico Dowdle is in the top five in South Carolina's history as far as yards and carries. And you have Tavian Feaster who just came from Clemson and won a national championship last year and who was averaged over six yards of carry there. And you're not getting all that you can get out of those two backs, and that is more pressure building up on your freshman quarterback, Ryan Holinsky, when they could help him out and get the ball going on the ground. So another interesting thing, when I mentioned the, the offensive line earlier, um, Donnell Staley, offensive lineman for South Carolina, uh, hilarious guy. If, if you haven't heard of him, there's some clips of him floating around on the internet talking about fishing and stuff. Uh, plenty of pictures of him and Bobby Bentley going fishing. Yeah. Hilarious guy. Um, but he came out and said this week in, in, when he met with media that the offense had a lot of miscommunication on the line last week. And we talked about this for Monday's show, that that stadium was not very loud. There was not a lot of people there. And that should worry South Carolina fans, and that should worry South Carolina, and it should worry <laughs> the offensive line that you can't communicate on the road in, a, in an environment that is, even at full speed, is not even the in the top half of most uh, aggressive or um, electric environments in the SEC East. Most definitely. Because Missouri, at full, at full um, speed, is still behind places you've got to play like florida and it's still behind georgia and they don't have to play at florida this year but um they're still behind georgia and they're behind tennessee even as bad as tennessee is right now yeah and there it is williams bryce is a much more difficult environment to play in than missouri and missouri's on kentucky's level with intense environments um so you're playing one of the least intense environments that you're going to play all year and then at that they were only at like 40% 40% of what that environment should have been because of the weather and some other things. And you're having miscommunication, this level of miscommunication on your offensive line. It, that should worry you. 
that should worry you. And also as a quarterback, it's like, wow, these guys can't really get, get this thing communicate out in pretty much. I'm the one sitting back here like the sitting goose, so they got to get that worked out almost immediately. I'm sure Muschamp has been all over that. But one thing about that is even with great coaching, if those guys aren't getting it, they aren't getting it. You can only drill it so much. And, you know, every offense works on paper, so they're just going to have to make uh, be able to communicate that especially before they get between the hedges. Because once you get between the hedges, and if the fans figure out about that, it's a complete wrap. It's good night and just don't even show up for the game. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I just think for this week, Sacramento wants to win this football game. They can do it. Yeah. They are going to have to run the ball down Kentucky's throat, and they're going to have to beat them at the line of scrimmage. That's a cliche. You know, usually whoever wins the line of scrimmage wins the football game. And that's true. Um, but they are going to have to give Holinsky some help with – disguising play calls and just being more creative. And that's something McClendon's just got to be better at this week for South Carolina to win. And Ryan Alinsky himself has to be more accurate. So yeah. hopefully from what Muschamp was saying the other day, he had great practices earlier in the week and he looked a lot more accurate and he looked better and more comfortable in practice. And his two games at home so far, he's looked very comfortable. So we'll see how he does Saturday, but he's got to be accurate. He cannot have the throws he had against Missouri if South Carolina is going to win this football game. Um, couple and, more, um, if he had a couple more bad performances, probably like in the first quarter, first half, uh, I'm sure we'll see Muschamp revert back to the old Muschamp, and that'll be plenty of uh, fun for the fans, but not Yeah, a lot of yelling and stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right, so before we move off the Gamecocks, I, I want to talk about this. Uh this tweet from Connor Shaw earlier, I, I just read it and it kind of confused me, so I was like, all right, well, we'll save it for the show and we'll get Matthew's reaction here. Um, so, Go Gamecocks, which is the state's Gamecock coverage site, uh, they own they own and run that, uh, tweeted out a link to their article about what Ray Tanner saying earlier this week and on 107.5 The Game, that Will Muschamp is going to have, quote, is going to have success, end quote, at South Carolina. And Connor Shaw quote tweeted it, and this is what he said. Well put, at Ray Tanner. Expectation of W's equals Carolina faithful cares. We all want W's and mediocrity doesn't sit right with anybody, but all this negativity towards the program doesn't help or hold anyone more accountable than they already are. With that said, important game on Saturday. End quote. Connor Shaw is all over the place. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know because he's talking about the mediocrity and it's like that. But then he's like, but look, all this negative doesn't help. But the negativity, obviously the fan base going to have negativity regardless. But the negativity comes from poor performances, which kind of always tells back too much, champ. I don't know. It looks like he's trying to play both sides of the fence there. And I, I, yeah. I, mean, I kind of see Connor Shaw as the guy who's like, yo, let's work this team. Like, let's get this team together. Like, he's we're a positive good. dude. Yeah, he's a, now, Torrey Gray out there, he's going to go on there. <laughs> he's making a killing. He's getting so many, like, um, what is it, like, opportunities, I guess you could say, to be on radio shows ever since that he started, like, having his spills. And so he does them every single Saturday night. And I actually enjoy listening to him. So he's really profiting right now off of USC, not playing as well. But, yeah, Connor's just trying to play both sides of the fence there. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens next. Yeah, I mean, I just thought it was a strange comment from Connor Shaw. Gamecock great, probably the winningest um quarterback South Carolina's ever had for sure so I mean God never lost a game at home uh he may have lost one his last season I'm pretty sure he didn't never lost a game at home but I mean had a higher win percentage at home than Tim Tebow did so there you go I puts you up there right with the best all right we'll move on from South Carolina 
and we we've got kind of what looks to be on paper a pretty boring week in college football and um i've kind of thought this a lot like we talked about it a little bit in previous shows that this it just feels like this season is either a couple of good games or no good games i mean the back half better be november is going to be packed it's just got to be with good games and so this week like the only good games in the sec you're looking at you got mississippi state at auburn and texas a&m at Arkansas, that's not even a good game. Is you got Mississippi State at Auburn and South Carolina, Kentucky is going to be a close matchup. Yeah, and that'll probably be a really good game on paper. Um, but it's, they're not. Neither one of those schools are really affecting standings at all. <laughs> so they're fighting to be that from the bottom of the SEC East with Tennessee. Yeah, they're they're just fighting not to lose. Yeah. Um. So they're both playing not to lose, while Auburn has got to play to win, and Mississippi State they can play to win and make some noise. Um, that game's in Jordan here? Yeah, it is in uh, – uh, what is – Jordan here? Musburger call it? No, Ty, or, um, yeah, Musburger calls it Jordan Hare. I, I don't know if that's how they're Auburn guys. I always said Jordan Hare, just like you. Down on the plains in Auburn. Yeah, there you go. So they got, like they got Mississippi State. Um, so that'll be a decent game. But you've got LSU, Georgia, Tennessee, and Mizzou all in buys this week. Early season, but we're in September and we got bye weeks. That is super early. One thing, like I know that's great. Obviously, you just got especially Georgia just finished playing Notre Dame, but it's like I bet some of those players. And so that was probably a very physical game, but I bet some of those players wish that it would come a little bit later in the season. You know, because after you play like seven, eight straight, that's when you really need it. Especially a team like Georgia who will probably participate in the college football playoff, but you don't get to make that up yourself. So yeah, Georgia's gonna have. They've played four games and now they're gonna have a break, and then they've got to go play nine more straight if they're gonna looks like they're gonna win the east pretty easily maybe have some competition with florida i I doubt it um but yeah they're they're gonna go play you know nine straight football games and that bye week at the end of october instead of the end of september would be a lot better and i've seen this more around college football this year is the bye weeks are, are moving up more towards the beginning of the season south carolina's is earlier than it usually is um or so it feels like but, yeah, man, missing LSU and Georgia, two of your, your best teams in the SEC this week, uh, it doesn't make for the best football watching in the SEC, but the best football happens in the SEC. I've always, I've always said that and will always believe it. Um, so we got A&M going to Arkansas. I don't really think that'll be much of a game. No, I think Jimbo runs Chad Morris out the, uh, out the stadium. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree with you. That one's at noon. On ESPN, and then Northern Illinois playing Vandy. Just, I don't even know what to say. (laughs) Just please, Vanderbilt, for the sake of the SEC, do not lose this football game. Because Northern Illinois can can beat Vanderbilt. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Vanderbilt, though, seems like they just always strangely seem to be just good enough to kind of beat the teams that would, they would embarrass the SEC if they lost. They seem... Those games they should lose, they seem to be strangely good enough just to beat them. Tennessee, on the other hand, um, Tennessee might lose this week to their bye. Um, <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Must champion his presser this week. If you haven't seen the comment, he says uh, a reporter asked him about how important it was to win this week or something, and he said, you know what, they're all important. All of them are important. You know what we got next week? We got open, and we got to kick open's ass too. <laughs> so if you haven't seen that clip yet, it, it's on the internet. Go find it. Uh 
the state and multiple other sites have, have published or linked it in articles and it's on Gamecocks online somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, great great quote from, from Muschamp there. And then we got Ole Miss at Alabama uh, at 3.30 on CBS. Uh, just kind of – this one's going to be a, just a blowout. Did you see on Twitter – that the Alabama receivers were playing rock, paper, scissors to see who had the deep yeah. route. Y'all, yeah. that is, that's like the, you know, I think it was in sociology, they say like the greatest inequalities between like the the top 1% and the next tier. That's kind of his Alabama. Like, think about that. Like, at any, t- at any school where it would be somewhat competition, that would be unacceptable. Don't play like that on the field. It's supposed to be business. These guys are like that. Mustang probably sees them. I just go ahead and do it. And then the, probably the next person goes and scores a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, so they played Southern Miss last week, and, and Matthew's referring to a video came out this week. Someone asked him how they decided to who, – who they decided could run the deep ball, and the receivers played rock, paper, scissors for it to see who could run the deep route. And, I mean, that's just the kind of thing the Alabama offense are doing right now. They'll probably be playing a lot of rock, paper, scissors this week to see who can sit on the sideline and just kind of save their body because this one's really not worth them playing. I remember whenever Ole Miss had, you know, the Laquan Treadwells and the Chad Kellys, Evan Ingrams. It's like I remember when this was a game. Shout I really Swag loved you. Yeah, shout out Swag Kelly. <laughs> is he on the NFL roster right now? Yeah, he is. Oh, who's he with? Uh, Brendan, can you look that up for us? Chad Kelly. But I loved whenever they were. That was a competitive, and I hope that Ole Miss can get this competition thing going back again. He's That's right. Broncos, yep. Yeah. Producer Brendan says he's uh, still in the Broncos. Wow. So roster. they've cut him I think that was a one of the is that a team that drafted him yes and while they cut him and now he's back with the Broncos Swag Kelly stays in the league yeah yeah I mean Swag's got it uh yeah not not just not even really worth watching I guess Alabama if you're going to be tailgating this weekend don't feel bad about missing any of the rest of the games that you would normally get to see uh Towson's playing Florida at four o'clock on the SEC network um Oh, okay. All right. So Swag Kelly's now with the Colts. This week, yeah. <laughs> behind, behind, as of this week, behind, behind Brisket. Jacoby Brisket and the rest of the guys there. I like Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, I like I him good. too. A lot of people doubted him. And all the, the Patriots' um, backups. What was their record? They're 8 and 1 combined? Yeah. 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 The Patriots' backups are killing it. So, I mean, of course. There's a picture circulating around with. Uh, Tom Brady, Jacoby, and Garoppolo. And it's like, wow, look at that lineup that they once had in New England. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Jacoby Brissett. Um, anyway, back to SEC football. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a good luck, Swag. But, uh, my guy. Towson's playing Florida at, um, at four on the SEC Network. Snooze Fest, so you've turned that one on. And then, like we were just saying earlier, other big game in the SEC this week is Mississippi State at Auburn. I... This could be a trap game for Auburn if it were on the road. Yeah. Uh, but I think Auburn takes care of business at home. Um, Auburn has the best two wins in the country right now. I think LSU has the second best win going to Texas and playing them. Yep. Um, also, shout out to those schools, all the schools that – shout out to Oregon, Auburn, LSU, and, and Texas for actually playing these games and scheduling them and doing it now. I saw a lot of games, a lot of home-and-homes getting scheduled – earlier this week between teams around the country uh it's nice to see it's really fun i i ten times rather watch a home and home than a neutral site game the neutral site games just 
the stadiums aren't always full, and if they are, like if they're in Dallas and Auburn's playing Oregon, that's mostly Auburn fans. That's not even fair for yeah. Oregon. They're basically just just why don't you just take that game a little bit farther and take it to Auburn, and then next year have Auburn go to Eugene and play it. But I'm good. I'm glad to see Auburn, you know, and Oregon at least playing each other and. and Sacking up, so to speak, and, and scheduling that. But the LSU Texas home and home, just love. Can't couldn't love that more. Can't get any better than that. Also, Auburn comes into this game. I think you might have said four and zero. I know they're so happy to get back to Jordan Hare between the plans. I think I like that. I know they're so happy to get back there four and zero. It's a really good start to their season. Although Nick's Nick's is just getting the job done, just getting them wins. He's probably the popular kid around campus. I could imagine. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's got to play a little better this week. He. I feel like he needs a statement game. Yep. Um, he got a win with Oregon with a good fourth quarter. A uh, good fourth quarter. Last week against A and M, he was he was decent. He did what he needed to do. Auburn was up big. They really didn't have to use him a whole lot. Um, he only had like 100 yards or something. So we need a big game out of uh, Mr. Nix if they're going to continue to do well and if they really want to make a playoff push, he's going to have to step up and be the guy because they still got Bama and they still got LSU. So and they still got some, um, they still got Georgia. So that's a tough schedule. Yeah, they for play freshman. you know three of the best teams in the country, right? They're three of the top five teams, four teams. What is Georgia? I think Georgia's fifth um, in the country right now. On still left on their schedule. So he's got to step up. This is the week. Um, I guess next best game in the country, Southern Cal is playing Washington. That might be the only ranked matchup this week. Uh, at I don't. I don't. I mean, Southern Cal had a good performance last week, and, and at home, but going to Washington, Washington's what nine and a half point favorites. I think, yeah, what nine and a half point favorites. I think Washington's going to win this one. I mean, Southern Cal's on their third string quarterback. Um, Just hanging on for dear life. Yeah, basically, and and they have a decent football team, but a win like this could save Clay Helton's job. There's been a lot of speculation that he's going to be out. Uh, I usually don't listen to football shows on the day that we record just because I like to not have any of those thoughts in my mind. But I did hear something earlier today. Um, you know, it feels like every time Southern Cal wins game, they're just ranked. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So I, I don't really – the number in front of there, and I've talked extensively about the polling and stuff, I just don't – I don't know how good of a team they are. It's really hard to read them right now. And – I don't know. I just don't see Southern Cal as a top 25 team that's a legitimate threat to go to Washington and win. We'll see. Um, Washington's got a really good football team, so I think they'll take care of business. Uh, but Since Chris Peterson has taken over, I mean, the three of the past years, I remember we used to call them BCS games, but now they're like, what, New Year's Six Bowl games or whatever. But they've been the three back-to-back. They've been to the Peach Bowl, you know, it's Atlanta, the Fiesta Bowl, and Arizona, and the Rose Bowl. So he's really done. And, see, that's one of those programs, they have expectations, but not like how we have in the, you know, down in the SEC where it's like national championship playoff. They're like, get it New Year's Six, make the fans happy, we're happy. And so I think he's – I'm not gonna say exceeding expectations, but yeah, actually probably exceeding expectations for Washington. Because before him, I don't even remember whenever they were in a meaningful bowl game. Looks like 2001, they were in the Rose Bowl. But since then, I mean, yeah, they, and they've got a decent like program history. If you go back and look at Washington sports, their softball team is always just nasty. They've they've got a bunch of softball titles, um, but yeah, and Chris Peterson's had him looking good since he left Boise State to go there. 
Um, we'll see how they do. I think they'll be a decent team. I still don't know if they're the best team in their state. Um, Washington State lost last week at home, but, I mean, those two teams right there are supposed to be the pride of the Pac-12. And Washington State lost last week at home after being up huge against UCLA. It really hurts them. Um, and that's the next thing I want to talk about. They're, Washington State, Wazoo is going on the road to play Utah, uh, who lost to Southern Cal last weekend uh, in L.A. And they're at home this weekend against Washington State. Utah is six-point favorites. This will be a good game. Yeah. What time is that game on? Uh, I actually don't have the time. I think it's 7.30 Saturday night. That um, is something. That will be seven. I expect Utah to come out here and, and come out and play very well after losing last week. Yeah, I mean, the Pac-12 is just beating itself up. Uh, if you're a Pac-12 fan and you want to see your teams in the college football playoff, your best hope was to have Utah, Washington, or Washington State not get beaten all year. And it looks like that ship has sailed. Um, so we're going to see. This game I think will be a fun game. Utah seems to be more physical. Then usually they yeah. feel like every time I watch Utah, I feel like they're just kind of – they can throw the ball a little, but they're bruising it, and their defense is always good. So their defense has been good for the last several years. This game will be a fun one to watch. Uh, I'll be sure to tune in Saturday night. What time yeah, 10 o'clock p.m. on FS1. Yeah, Utah definitely likes to impose their will. They're actually one of the teams from that Western type of – that actually like to do a lot of you know hard, old-school football, just ground them and pound them. That is a 10 o'clock game? Yeah, it's 10 o'clock. Awesome. I love, love the late-night Pac-12. Sling the ball all around. All right, next one I got here on the docket is, is Duke at Virginia Tech. Tech is three-point favorites. Um, I think Duke can win this game pretty easily. Yeah, I haven't really heard too much from Virginia Tech in a minute, actually. I remember the years whenever they had when they used to play Beamer ball. But since and you know as of recently they've been okay, but I haven't really heard as much of them as they used to. I used to love their you know their special teams what they used to yep. be known for Beamer Ball. But uh, yeah, Tech Tech is awesome. Um, if you don't tune into a lot of Virginia Tech football, it's it's they have a great atmosphere. Yeah, San, no, are what are, are they Sandstorm? No, they have Metallica. They have uh, uh, Inner Sandman. Sandman, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I remember watching that, and it gets rocking in there. It's a pretty, yeah, like you said, great environment. Awesome entrance. Yeah, uh, Duke can easily go up there and win this game, and, and they just have to play well. Duke didn't play, I mean, it's hard to say they played good against Alabama. They did get torched, but <laughs> uh, it was Alabama. So, but right now, like, Duke looks to be a pretty good team, and they have been the last couple of years. This is a game they can easily go win against Virginia Tech. Yeah. And, and kind of, build themselves up in the ACC. There's a few decent schools in the ACC right now. Other than Clemson, you have UNC, who's pretty okay. Wake Forest, who beat them, who's pretty okay. And you have Duke. And Virginia's in the top 20. I don't really buy that. I don't buy that they're that good. Um, They play Notre Dame, by the way, this week. Yep. That one's going to be a blowout, I believe. And, um, yeah, so you got a few, like, Middle of the road teams, teams that can go eight and four. I think a couple of them will go six and six, or one of them will probably go five and seven right there in the middle of the pack in the ACC. They have no one that's going to come close to competing with Clemson. No. Um, and if they and if they do have a game that somehow someone upsets Clemson, it'll be more. It'll say more about Clemson than the other team. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Duke can easily go. And this is a huge opportunity for him to go up to Blacksburg and steal a game. Um, and then just referencing Clemson. We got Clemson at UNC this week. Clemson is a 27-point favorite. Every <laughs> week I sit here and I look at the twenty, um, the Clemson 
lines for the spread, and it's just a ridiculous number. And every week I'm like, oh, they're probably going to cover. So they probably are. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, Mac Brown's just got to have a good week. You're going to – UNC is going to have to play the best football game they have played in the last several years to win this game. And Clemson is going to have to play the worst football game they've played in the last two and a half, three years to win this – for UNC to win this game. Mac Brown's going to have to be aggressive, which I think he will be. And Clemson's just going to have to – I mean, just mess up. The last time I've even remembered North Carolina having the amount of talent it takes uh, to compete in this game would be, I don't know if you remember, it must have been like 2006. The University of North Carolina played LSU at like the – it was a Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Like three or four guys from North Carolina were suspended. Do you remember when that was? No, that I was a long time ago. About, but they were, yeah, that was the last time I've even seen it. It was crazy in North Carolina, that kind of talent. Then, they had a pretty good team a couple of years ago with Justin Fuente and uh, head coaching and um, oh, my mind just blanked. Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. Yeah. That was a pretty decent team. Uh, I mean, they lost to South Carolina at the beginning of the year. That was 2015, I believe. Lose to South Carolina at the beginning of the year and go on to win pretty much every other game. So they were double-digit winners that year. That was a pretty good football team. Um, yeah, I, I think Clemson will just smack them. But the one funny thing I did see out of this game, Mac Brown tweeted out earlier, got a little surprised thanks to at Jumpman23 for the new Air Jordan 34 Blue Voids. Uh, so he got some new Jordan shoes. Look at these things. Have you seen these? I would love to see Mac Brown wear these sneakers. Those, are, those, I would say those are hard. I can't imagine. I guess he'll use them for recruiting. Yeah, I mean it's Mac Brown. I mean <laughs> he's got to wear it. And he he's put up a t- poll under it. Actually, it says, "What does everyone think? Should I wear these on Saturday on the sideline? Yes or absolutely." So it looks like Mac Brown's gonna be wearing Jordans on the sideline this week. If they do win, I, those Jordans are gonna be worth a lot of money. Um, <laughs> we'll move on from from Clemson and Mac Brown and the shoes. Uh, the probably the third or fourth best game this week to watch Maryland at Penn State. Penn State six and a half point favorites at home in Happy Valley. Uh, Maryland can go win this game. Um, Penn State is really good. I think Penn State kind of out outmatches them in in the big boy category and a little in defense. But Maryland has proven that they can throw up 60, 70 points a game a couple times this year. We'll see how they go. This will be. A pretty big upset for for Maryland, I think, just to beat a team like Penn State uh, to go into their house of 110,000 people or whatever it is now. Just a ridiculous amount of people. Go play Penn State and beat them. That would be a huge, huge win for Maryland, and it would shake up a lot of things in the Big Ten. Um, And and it would really kind of give Maryland a place to say, all right, here we are. We've kind of made it in the Big Ten now. This is our this is our statement. This would be their kind of first big statement in the Big Ten. Yeah, they beat Texas, you know, the last two years or whatever. They played them two years in a row, and they beat them both times. But here's a chance to make a statement in the Big Ten. Um, I think they can do it, but it, it, they're gonna have to. They're just gonna have to keep playing well. They played well so far this season. They they've blown out a few teams. Yeah. So. We'll def- see how they do. They're definitely going to have to play well. Uh, like you were saying, they do kind of do need a game to kind of establish them in the Big Ten. See, I still think of Maryland a lot of times, uh, that ACC team. I think they used to be in the ACC. Atlanta yep, they were. Clemson. But, yeah, so they definitely need something to do. This would be a great – because Penn State is the number 12 team in the country, so I can't think of a better time to do this. 
uh, 8 o'clock, night game, another one on FS1. FS1 is really starting to steal a lot of games here. But, yeah, so let's see if the Maryland Terrapins can uh, pull off the win. Yeah, so uh, I don't, we talked about the Texas game last week when they played Oklahoma State. We talked about it on Monday's show. But I was looking at some schedules around earlier and trying to see when next big games are. We got Texas is on a bye this week, and then they play. I can't remember who they play the week uh, next week. The, the week after that is the Red River Shootout, Red River Rivalry, whatever you're calling it now. We're getting close to big football, and we've already had some big football, but it, it hasn't been stacked, and we're about to get deep into conference play, and I'm very excited for it. Uh, and the SEC is kind of rolling this week. With South Carolina, it's definitely rolling. You're in it now. You're playing Kentucky. Uh, you've already lost to Missouri. You've already lost to Alabama. You're 0-2 in the SEC. you gotta, you got to win this week. Um, and, and a lot of the SEC schools have had some, some big games, at least one. Uh, I, we are about to see a lot of good football in October. I'm excited for it. This is the last Saturday in September. and it, I mean, even though it's 100 degrees today and doesn't feel like fall at all, we're getting there. We're getting the big games. Um, something I want to talk about I saw, saw today is – uh, the Atlanta Falcons tweeted out a uh, a video of Dan Quinn, their head coach, talking about beating Tennessee. And the Falcons said this. Their their comment on the video is this week we need to beat Tennessee and only Tennessee. Um, Georgia, Georgia State, whoever runs their Twitter account, <laughs> beating Tennessee is fun. Dot dot dot. Trust us. <laughs> That's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. I'm sure, <laughs> sure the head coach of Tennessee looks at these things like I cannot stand these people. Yeah, there's no way Pruitt's happy about that one. He definitely saw. It. I mean, I don't know. He maybe didn't see it. I feel like you you hear about that one. Oh yeah, it? one of you, the players, my coach, man, I can't believe they did. Yeah, most definitely, he heard about that one. Yeah, you hear about someone someone talking about that. That was pretty funny. Um, and let's take it back last weekend real quick. So. Notre Dame goes down to Athens, and they play a good game, but they lose. Notre Dame fans, this is not moral victory time. <laughs> you were just in the college football playoff. You're saying that you deserve to be back there, and you go on the road, and you lose. Uh, yeah, you were good. You showed some good signs in the game, but you lost. We're not taking moral victories away, and I'm seeing that all over the place this week. Yeah, a lot of schools are doing this. Oh, this is a huge victory for moral victory for Notre Dame, and and Notre Dame claims that they are one of the top top schools in the country. Top schools in the country. Does Georgia go lose and say, "Oh, we got we found some good things and we're happy about it"? No, Georgia fans aren't saying that. They're pissed off, and Notre Notre Dame fans should be too. And I'm. Sitting here for the second Thursday in a row, and I'm pissed off about Notre Dame, the <laughs> Notre Dame fans, and the media surrounding Notre Dame because it's oh, you know what? They played good, and we should give them a second chance, and they proved they can compete. No, what they proved to me is they lost. Right. So now you've a team that is going to struggle to make it into the college football playoff, not because of they aren't good, but because of the schedule that they have the rest of the way. Georgia, you couldn't beat them on the road, albeit on the road. But you could not beat them, and now you, like this is your chance to show up and you and make a win, and you didn't do that. But you're saying, "Oh, we played good enough," and basically you're just counting it as a as a victory. <laughs> I don't like it. And I, here's something I saw this week: Notre Dame took a full page ad out in the Athens, uh, jeez, Athens Banner Herald. I don't know what I was saying there. Um, 
Congratulations. It, here's the ad. It, it's a full-page ad. It's in Navy, and it's got the ND logo at the bottom. Congratulations to Coach Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs on a hard-fought victory. On behalf of Notre, of the Notre Dame visitors, we want to thank everyone in the Georgia community for being great hosts and for all their wonderful hospitality. It was a very special weekend in Athens. Hopefully the results will be different the next time we meet. Go Irish, go dogs. Jimmy, Dwayne, Jimmy Dunn and Notre Dame fans. So I guess the Notre Dame fans did this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> if you love Notre Dame, this is why you keep loving them. If you hate them, you hate them even more. Are you, are you kidding me? You're taking out a full-page ad to congratulate the team that beat you the, the week before? And here's the comments on this. And all the com- and all the, all these fans are so dumb. Georgia fans, you're, you're dumb for giving them credit. Here you go. Just, oh, this is such a classy move. Wow, that's so cool. No, you lost. You played the game to win. That is how you play the game. I don't know. I mean... This is the competitiveness in college football. You play to win. That is all you were there for. You were there to win a football game, and you did not do that. And then taking out an ad, fans taking out an ad and putting it in, your, in the newspaper of the team you just lost to to say, go dogs is absurd. And I'm probably on the other side of the fence for most people, and I feel like most people are saying, oh, this is such a classy move. I get so tired of hearing the class in college football argument. The, people get pissed off about these things. These are robbery. The, the classiness stuff, I, I'm, I'm done with that. It is, it is all BS. It's all crap because you have everyone talking about, oh, this team made a classy gesture. They were just being decent human beings. And the fact that you thought it was so impressive that Georgia – uh, fans were so nice to you. What does that say about what you thought about Georgia fans before? The, you thought they were going to be all rude and, and just disgusting? I think Georgia fans are taking this as a compliment, but I think they should be taking it as an insult as yeah. to how people perceived them before they, they got down to Athens. I, I mean, if, this, if my school did this, I cannot imagine the amount of pissed off and upset <laughs> I would be. And here you have Notre Dame fans just bending the knee <laughs> to one of to one of the premier programs in college football, a team that can actually compete for a championship because Notre Dame can't, and you're saying thank you for beating us, thank you for letting us fly, uh, you know, down how many ever miles, a couple hundred miles, and, and thank you for letting our team equipment bus break down on the side of the road, and thank you for just. <laughs> Taking it easy on us, Kirby, because you ran a conservative playbook last week and, and you didn't just crush us. You kind of ran it down our throats and you just won, you know, and gave us a little bit of a moral, quote-unquote, moral victory. Thank you for that. Thank you for just hanging a nice L in our season, uh, on our record. This, I mean, I, I'm more, I feel like I'm more pissed off than any Notre Dame fan is about it. Like, I have a sense of pride. Yeah, I can't believe that. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. I feel like Urban Meyer. A lot of coaches be like, "Are y'all serious? Like this is not like I cannot imagine that we kind of get to this today and time." But I feel like I started seeing this in the NBA. Everybody's just so buddy buddy. We win, lose, or draw. We're trading jerseys. And you hear a lot of the old heads be like, "We're not trading jerseys when we just lost the game." But now everybody's so friendly and things of that nature. I'm nah, more so BS. I like the old like I can remember distinctly. Like well, actually, I wouldn't even lie, but I was watching a documentary. The U they run the score up. Up. And then even like I kind of like the environments. Uh, let's see, was that two years ago? 
whenever Clemson came to town, because you know Clemson, like we keep it classy. Whenever USC Clemson plays, they might yell, but that's all. Like at USC, you come to Williams Bryce, they're throwing bottles at you. Like I love that intense atmosphere. Clemson fans are nasty too. And it's like I want, I want, to, I want to throw in the bottles. I don't want anything yeah, nice. I, like I want it to be like a rivalry game. I want it to be feel like a rivalry game. I don't want any other pleasantries, none of them. And if like if you don't like it, then beat us. But definitely don't take an ad out. That is, but that's so Notre Dame. Like, if there was one school in the country that would do something like yeah. that, it's Notre Dame. Yeah, I, here's a comment from a Georgia fan on here. Notre Dame was such a gracious host to Georgia when we went up there two years ago. Usually we talk about Southern hospitality, but I want you to know that Notre Dame hospitality was gracious. You set the bar high, and we tried to follow. Are you kidding me? It does not sound like football. Guys. Are you kidding me, Georgia fans? <laughs> These aren't the Georgia fans that I know. Not no. Th- did you, were, the Georgia fans that I know are passionate and happy and rubbing it in your face that they won, which is exactly how they should be. Last year when Georgia came to town, I think they went up big. There were Georgia fans who were like standing. What's that? What's that road? Okay, that shop road. Shop road that leads. Uh, I think the shop road on the back side of the stadium. Yes. Yeah, there were shop. There were Georgia fans on the shop road who were waving to the USC fans as they were leaving, and like that's the Georgia I know. It's just a, like look at you and be like, y'all sucking that. And I love it. Yeah, I, I don't love want it. the nice stuff. Keep that away. Keep that in. No offense, but Olympic sports. No offense, Olympic sports. Yeah, but keep <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I'm on. Yeah, keep keep that for you know um, when your when your kid plays a little league game. You yeah. know, obviously show some sportsmanship there and and, and be and be quote unquote be this, this crappy term classy. I don't want to see that in college football. Yeah, don't be rude to people. That's not what I'm saying. But I like. I mean, apolo- like thanking someone for beating you. Get out of here. It's that just, is such BS. This crap. goes right in line with Get the, out of here. the age of um, what is it, participation trophies. It's like, oh, yeah. you did such Can a you really imagine good... if South Carolina fans would have taken a full page ad <laughs> out last week and whatever paper runs in Columbia, Missouri, and said, Thank you, Missouri fans. It was raining and you guys had tents for us to stand under, and we are so happy that you weren't very mean to us. And you know what? Go, Missouri. In in there, that is oh. absurd. And yeah, it's a little different because uh, South Carolina plays them every year. And, and but give me a break, that give is, me a break. That is hilarious. I, I I just I could not believe that, and I couldn't believe the positive reaction from it <laughs> as I was seeing it on Twitter. Are you kidding me? Have a little have a little pride. Like <laughs> you just beat this team who is talking so much trash about you. Fans, are, Notre Dame fans, are some of the most arrogant people in the world. They don't. They think they're so much better than everyone. When Georgia proved to them again that they are better than them, and then now we're all like, "Oh, Notre Dame's just—they're just a classy organization." No, they're not. This is all disguise. <laughs> are you kidding me? Jeez. Oh, I'm <laughs> Notre Dame. Get it together. <laughs> Tired of just coming on here and just talking about Notre Dame every week. Here we go. All right. So. uh we were talking about polls earlier and, and uh, AP polls, and I think it's, you know, releasing the poll before the preseason, I get, it's just, it's too much. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like the polls before, like, week six when we really know how teams are. And I saw some writer from somewhere put out his vote for AP um, poll this week, and, and his poll, his idea is, this poll isn't based on preseason rankings or anything else it's what we have seen so far um from this season that's what i'm basing my poll on guy had auburn number one and alabama's not even in the top 10 uh 
which is fair based on who they've played so far. But like I've been saying, I look at the polls as if you were number one, you were saying to me right now, as whoever, a poll maker, whoever you are, as a writer, when you're ranking these teams, that you don't think there's a single team, Clemson's number one right now, you were saying to me that you don't think there's a single team, if they met on a neutral field, uh, that that could beat Clemson. And uh, I'd have to agree with that a little right now to, you know, to some as far as Clemson. Clemson's got their ranking, and I think they are probably the best matchup on against anyone. But I'm LSU, only saying that right now because Alabama has underperformed. I think Clemson has underperformed this year. Yeah. They, they've had some trouble in spots, and we're kind of ignoring it right now. But, uh, yeah, I think if they had an SEC schedule, this we're going back to the whole scheduling comment. And Clemson fans will hate this, and ACC fans will too. Uh, they don't really play anybody. Yeah, and you just don't. Sorry. You played A&M at home. Good job. Um I don't. They couldn't handle the SEC schedule the way they are playing right now. That's not to say that they couldn't step it up three notches and beat everybody on an Auburn schedule. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely think they have the talent too. But the way they've been playing, they've got to play a little better if they're really gonna, you know, go win another national championship or and and compete. Um, but s- saying that the guys' argument. I don't totally agree with his rankings just because of some flaws in there. I, that's just how I see it is you saying number one can beat anybody in the nation on a neutral field. Number two can beat anybody but number one, and you, so on and so on. Yeah, yeah. But I do have to agree that Auburn so far has the best resume. But they've been close. You know, they've had close games. The A&M game got close at the end. Um, Auburn kind of lost a little, I guess, the sense of urgency they had in the first half. And Oregon, they had to make a comeback, and they made a great comeback, and good teams do that. Good teams don't die. They don't die in the fourth quarter. They don't die in the third quarter. They come back and fight for it. Um, yeah, I saw that was really interesting. I can't remember the guy's name, uh, but you can definitely find it if you just get on Google and, and type in, you know, weird AP poll or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, that I, I thought that was interesting this week because I saw that. All right, so we're done with college football for this week. Um, something I saw right before we hopped on. J-Lo's performing at the Super Bowl halftime show. wonder if A-Rod had any pull in this. No <laughs> I don't know. I only <laughs> mention it because Matthew and I always talk about uh, the J-Lo, A-Rod kind of complex, and, yeah. and we're both kind of fascinated by A-Rod. Um, J-Lo. Yeah, J-Lo is going to be there with Shakira. So, I mean, it'll be better than who did they have years ago? Tom Petty. That was terrible. I mean, R.I.P. made great music, but Super Bowl half, no. Yeah, yeah not that, that was audience. pretty bad. And who did Gaga was on there? Hers was weird. It wasn't terrible, but it, it could have been better. Yeah, I just stopped watching them. I go and eat something. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm not really watching the Super Bowl for the all the other stuff. Um, all right, picks of the week. Last week, I was 3-2. and two. Uh, My two losses were Georgia covering. Um, if Georgia's a 30-point favorite against Notre Dame tomorrow, if not uh, fantasy world, I still take Georgia 30-point favorite. Give, <laughs> give me the third. I think Georgia still beats them by that much. And Kentucky couldn't hold it together for me, and they couldn't get within eight points, and they lost to uh, Mississippi State. Uh, but I had Central Michigan at Miami within 30. They covered. Oregon covered. And my surprise pick of the week, Coastal Carolina, 15-point favorites against UMass. They beat the crap out of UMass. So uh, good looks from Coastal. Appreciate that. Um, those were, I bet those all against the spread last week. 
this week, got Oklahoma State, uh, four-point favorites at home against Kansas State. They're looking for a bounce back against Texas. Kansas State is ranked. Um, I don't think Kansas State is as good as Oklahoma State. That's basically what it just comes down to. I think Oklahoma State is thirsty for a win. They didn't get their big win last week. They were close, and they kind of lost control in the second half. I think they get that at home uh, in Stillwater against Kansas State. We'll see how that goes. So that's Oklahoma State minus four. Um, we were talking about a little bit earlier, Duke money line at Virginia, uh, at Virginia Tech. Uh, Tech is a two-and-a-half point favorite. I just don't see the point in taking Duke at plus two-and-a-half. If the game's going to be within two points, Duke will just win. Uh, money line there, uh, get some value. And Northwestern is 24-and-a-half point dogs at Wisconsin. Wisconsin will throttle you, and they will just keep running up the score. They have proven it time and time and time and time again over the last 10 years or so. When Bielma was there, uh, you know, back in those days and still now, they are going to run up the score if they can. But I do think somehow Paps Gerald and um, Northwestern can keep it within 24 points. Uh, Wisconsin will win, no problem. Shout out to Wisconsin last week. I think I said this on Monday's show. I was a little nervous about them. I just didn't believe in them, Yeah, which is – Typical Wisconsin. Um, but, yeah, looking good. Uh, been fun to watch. I'll definitely be watching them again this weekend if possible. Um, and I usually stay away from from these bets with South Carolina. How you feel? They are three-point favorites against Kentucky. Yep. Against a team, Kentucky, they can absolutely beat. Absolutely beat. They're at home. They're under the lights. And they just lost on the road to Missouri. They could not have been. They as must champ and every player who spoke Tuesday in that press conference could not have been more tense and more needing a win than they were. If they win, they if they lose this game, I mean, it just really. I, we said this last week uh, too, and, and I said it after the North Carolina game. Honestly, how does it get worse than this? It, it can for sure. You can lose to Tennessee and Vandy. Um, and App State, who is probably better than Tennessee right now, and, and probably Vanderbilt too. Um, so App State just got the big win, right? Yep, they did. Uh, beat North Carolina, right? Yep, they beat UNC on a block field goal. Um, and they're actually wearing some cool helmets this week. Uh, they have like a throwback uniform, like a mountain man on their helmet with a pipe in. They're pretty cool. Uh, but, yeah, so I think South Carolina will probably win this game by four points. South Carolina win this game this week. Will Muschamp don't need to do the press conference. Just go ahead, just leave. Yeah, <laughs> you should willingly leave. Don't even. Uh, we know it's a big buyout. I know you're not gonna do it. I'm just talking here. But yeah, I think South Carolina should win this game, at least by a touchdown. But I feel like they should win this game by ten to seventeen points. But because Ooh. it's South Carolina, I'm gonna just go ahead bold. And say seven. I'm All right, say seven. I like it. So we'll see how Muschamp and Gamecocks do this week. Um, Melvin Gordon's back. With the Chargers, finally he's been holding out. I saw somewhere he like he he ended up losing like what a million dollars that he could have made this year. I, this is this is probably good for. I was kind of talking about like a week or two ago, um, how this whole NFL like people just leaving and kind of pitching a fit and just leaving. How Le'Veon Bell and it paid off for Le'Veon and Antonio Brown did with the Steelers. Melvin Gordon tried the whole holdout thing and it not working. I think is good for the NFL and. The franchises themselves, yes, you're fighting billionaires versus millionaires, but I think that argument's a little overstated. Um, that 
how you should always be on the player's side. I'll always be for a player trying to get his money, but sitting out games, I don't like that. Yeah, it's like it's just it just affects the product on the field. I don't want to see a good product. And then the fan is like, yo, I paid for this game. I might have my season tickets and now. The star player isn't even playing. Yeah. I paid for him. One thing to think about this too with this Mo Melvin Gordon thing is one thing when these guys set out a week or two, but they get these mega deals. But there are definitely fines for him not showing up to training camp at the end, like on opening day not being there. And so whenever you lose that holdout or whatever, you still have to pay those fines. And, like, as you see teams like the Raiders, they hold you accountable. They're not just going to let you just go out there, okay, we're happy you're back. It's like we're happy you're back, and you're not getting that money. And as a matter of fact, we're going to take some of that from you. So unfortunate for him that he loses that. But I kind of figured as much young talent they as they have with the Chargers that they were weren't going to and I think the running back they had right uh, the, uh, these past couple of weeks was serviceable so it's like yeah. we're going to wait the way. I mean, that's the thing with all the NFL teams if you're a back like you have a serviceable back behind you we saw it with Le'Veon and James Conner um Le'Veon leaves and there's a lot of good running backs in the league and there's you know there's only 32 teams so there's more than 32 really good starting NFL running backs in on this earth um, now, quarterbacks, different story. Running backs, yeah, there's running backs are, are more easier to find. Now, it's different when you find a guy like Le'Veon, who is just kind of head and shoulders above the rest. And, and Zeke, the same, you know, he's he's head and shoulders, you know, above anyone else that they could get. But James Conner was very good last year for the Steelers, and it depends on your offensive line. And if you have a good offensive line, I mean – we could throw you back there, Matthew. You yeah. Know, it, it, you know, they don't need someone ridiculous. They need someone just to get the job done and get them a few, few yards on third and short. And look no further than the Rams with Ty Gurley being out last year during the play. Well, he wasn't out, but he was kind of underperforming. Something was going on right there. Yep. But anyway, they went and got Anderson. Anderson was Anderson. better than service. Well, he was actually probably one of the star players of the playoffs for them yeah, before exactly. the obvious Super Bowl loss. And running backs are everywhere, too, because that's like a natural position. You kind of have that from Little League, guys that just cut really well, see holes. You don't really lose that. I guess the hardest part for that would be learning the playbook. But the running back, it's kind of like running the one-hole, two-hole, three-hole, four. It's not as common complex as having to learn the whole thing and learn all these different schemes so it's kind of like a fill it out type position you're right so uh but it'll be fun to watch melvin gordon back on this week seven hours commercial free football with my touchdown tour guy scott hansen <laughs> on the red zone channel and yeah it'll be great to have have melvin back in the league watching him play around uh something you wanted to mention antonio brown going to taking classes at central michigan yeah, I think that was a really good uh, public relations move for him. Right now, it's kind of like Antonio is nothing but bad things. Not to mention the girl that the first lady that accused him still about to go talk to NFL. We're gonna see if that comes public and things of that nature. So it's like, okay, Antonio. It seems as if it's like, okay, Antonio Brown's getting himself together. He's going back to school with this time that he'll probably be out for the football season. So I think that's a really good move on his part and a move by in his camp. Although he had already enrolled four days before he got cut. I'm, everybody was trying to figure out, well, how is he? How did he plan to play on an NFL team and do school at the same time? Like, this isn't a normal job. But Shannon Sharp, uh, FS1, decided to say that he was going to pay somebody. As speculation, I don't want to put that out there. That's why I said that's what Shannon So If you got questions, hit Shannon in the DMs. <laughs> All right. Uh, Brennan just handed me his phone of a little bit of a back and forth between AB and Eric Weddle earlier. Uh, AB tweets the game game need me like I'm test answer and, and Eric Weddle says deaf don't and <laughs> AB says uh, 
as as AB tends to do, just kind of go back at people. You need some attention, little man. Glad I put that stiff arm in your neck in Pittsburgh. You deserved it, <laughs> little, little Weedle. Spells his name wrong and all. And, and Weddle's comment back was, a lot of ha-has. A.B., when are you going to learn? This isn't about you. Never was and never will be. Got a game to get ready for. Good, love that line. Good luck, my guy. Good luck, my guy. Hey, Weddle also had – I can't find it. Um, He also had a killer comment on a – on someone who quote tweeted that and it was basically uh oh it was basically i don't have to worry about ab right now because he ain't, he ain't in the league which hilarious I, I love these guys who ab is kind of coming out and like saying some stuff and these guys are kind of going back on twitter for being a loud mouth and being annoying um and then when az ab comments back at him they always have the kill shot of like hey man i'm still getting nfl paychecks and you're not in the league so you're sitting in class at Central Michigan is what you're doing. And it is insane that one of the best players at a position that is like so much so much needed, especially if you could do it as well as Antonio Brown can, is sitting out and it's because of him. Like when he looks back at this time of his life, like once he has it, like I guess all I mean, I don't want to say he doesn't have it together right now. But once he like well, really See, it's gonna be like, what was I doing? Like Julio Brown, Julio Jones, excuse me, Julio Jones just signed a major extension. It's like, and you're like the tit for tat for him to be the best at that position, and you're sitting at home. It's crazy. I can't. I, I really can't. Antonio, yes, yeah. this, this is crazy. I, I was confused about the Central Michigan move. Uh, not about AB. I thought it was good for him, but for Central Michigan to kind of be like proud of this was weird. Yeah, I don't. I I would. If when the New England Patriots distancing themselves for you, every that's a clue. Everyone else, hey, bail out. Yeah, yeah. we don't want this because the Patriots know something that we don't. Obviously, because hey, they've won six Super Bowls in the last twenty years. Um, and when they get they they cleaned up, Gordon looks like they're they're a project. Like you go there, you get fixed, you win a ring. Yeah, they they can't fix AB. Nobody stay can away. stay out. So that that's kind of my line of thought on that. Uh, yeah, it was, I don't know, man. It's going to, Antonio is just drama filled. Um, last thing I want to talk about that. Do you have any soccer knowledge at all? I have no, I've no soccer knowledge. Soccer, I think I was in the fourth right. grade. You'll, you'll still get this. So, um, I, I follow a little soccer, not a whole lot. And so in the off season, Barcelona, you know, Barca. Yeah. So Barca is probably, I don't know, they would probably be one of the more popular teams in the U.S. outside of the Premier League teams, the English teams. Um, they signed French star, uh, World Cup winner, a year 2018 World Cup winner, um, and Atletico Madrid, a Barca rival, Antoine Griezmann in the offseason. So how soccer works with transfer windows is they have, like, it's weird how it works with you have to like buy players from the team and they have to agree to contract. It's not like just like a trade and teams can just do it. Like every player has to agree. Uh, there's but similar to the NBA, there's very strict like no tampering laws. Um, and, and Barca got fined for approaching Antoine Griezmann while he was still under contract with Atletico Madrid, uh, another team in the Spanish league, La Liga. So, they got a fine for it. You want to take a guess on how much this fine was? How much? Just just take a clue. If a tampering fine with an athlete who's about to just make hundreds of millions, just take a shot in the dark on how much you think this fine was. 200000 
That's a joke. Three hundred. <laughs> I I read this. I, I, I would literally if, if I'm gonna go ahead and get like whatever like they were hoping to get out of this whole deal, when I, I'll pay them three hundred twenty-eight dollars. I'll keep tampering. Three hundred and twenty-eight dollars. I thought I read it wrong. I I was telling Brendan before the show. I was like, dude, did you see this? And he was like, nah. So I'm looking it up, and I'm I'm looking like this just had to be a Bleacher Report mistake because I bookmarked a tweet and they and I still went back and I was like they haven't deleted it yet and I was like well, if they don't delete it I'll bring it up on the show right because I saw this early I mean eight, it says they tweeted it out eight hours ago so I guess around eleven and uh, yeah I was like all right well we'll see if they keep it up they kept it up I've checked my bookmarks about a half hour before the show I look like start scrolling through Google like every. Uh, like reporter or article is saying 300 and being like 300 euros um like that this is true and like i found one of them was like 300 euros like yes like this is like not a joke it's actually that amount is correct like we didn't leave out some decimals or some zeros i don't know i just thought it was ridiculous so i mean even if you don't watch soccer keep up with it at all uh only getting fine 328 dollars for a player who's going to make for a transaction that is going to make Barca just millions and makes them they're already a force in soccer this just makes them uh, this this move this summer was huge i mean it, it instantly gave them you know uh made them like favorites to win the big soccer cup every year between clubs in Europe the Champions League uh it put them on another level so and they still have Messi, everyone knows Messi. Yeah. So, I mean, only getting fined three hundred twenty eight bucks is pretty funny. If I'm Barca, keep tampering. Yeah. Worst worst case scenario, they double it. And yeah. Still I'll, I'll keep tampering too. Um, anything else for us, Matthew? Any last words? Nah, that's it. That's it. We'll keep watching for college football this weekend. Uh, football in general, sports in general. Like we said, Monday baseball playoffs coming up. Um, first game start next week. So I guess we'll talk a little playoff matchups. Sunday and uh and yeah we're gonna get to it so boring week hopefully we get a little better games this week we would like to remind you that this has been a production of Garnet Media and we would also say like to say that excuse me a special thank you to Ben Sound for our intro and outro music uh if you have any comments questions concerns hit us on Twitter at the lead underscore block and Instagram now at the lead underscore block uh, follow Matthew at Matt the Chosen One on Instagram and Twitter, and then follow me on Twitter at Tyler Walter CNR. And that's it. We'll see, see you. Monday. See you next time. See you Monday. Peace.